Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, let's turn our Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. And uh, good to see you once again. Glad to be here today. And we are looking forward to the baptisms in a, in a little while. And hope that you've had a good week. And, um, you know, April can be a little bit stop-start, isn't it? You just, there's a couple of things on the calendar, things that, um, that we have that are just there, just as far as just um, your public holidays and so forth. But glad to, to make it to the end of the month and looking forward to a new month tomorrow. And if I could encourage you to come along and be part of that and fellowship with a couple of other churches. I hope that you're enthusiastic about, uh, about tomorrow, some of those things that Caleb mentioned. Um, there's no pressure, but I'd, I'd like to say if you do take part, let's make sure we win. All right, so um, they call it Church Olympics, so we want to uh, finish on top of the table. Um, and that's just how it goes, all right? But uh, Matthew chapter 5 um, Hopefully we can have a great time, pray for the weather, and uh, that we can just fellowship and, and get to know others who are of like faith. But, um, you know, sometimes when we, we think about the Christian life, there's, there's a lot of things, especially out in the West, that we, we just generally ex- expect of Christians. And, you know, if you're here this morning and you've been saved a little while, that you've put your faith and trust in Christ, and there's some things that you know uh, generally, uh, generally, you would you would say that would be what you would expect of a Christian. And if you cast your mind back to just the the, the time when Jesus was was here on earth, you understand that the 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 author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, um, there was nothing normal about him. There was nothing that people, when they they heard Jesus speak and when they heard, saw him. Uh, deal with those who were sinners and those who uh, were, were really outcasts of society. There was nothing that, that really was about Jesus that everyone said, well, that's, that's what we would expect. And you bring to that all of his teaching, and especially here in this, this uh, portion of Scripture that we're reading from, the, what we would generally call the Beatitudes. The, these were groundbreaking things that the Lord Jesus was teaching. These were things that when people heard it, they were, they were both amazed and, and, uh, and, and even uh, going beyond in their minds thinking, how is, this even, how is this even possible or is this even something that can be attained? And yet these were the very things that the Lord Jesus spoke about. These were the things that when it came to it, there was a general expectation and the Lord Jesus went beyond that. He, he went beyond the, the norm. He went beyond the expected. He went beyond the, those things that when you, when you came down to it, you would just seemingly be just normal. And, and, you know, we live in a society that I think, generally speaking, the normal things of the Christian life is just generally acceptable. You know, if you were to ask yourself what makes a good Christian and we know a Christian is someone who's put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean a churchgoer. It doesn't mean anything else. I'm talking to the saved. At the very least, we would say a good Christian is someone who's saved by grace through faith. We would define that here in our church. We understand what it means to be a Christian. Uh, you would say, well, they go to church on Sundays. 
And you know, actually, as society's expectations these days, it, the, the way you define someone who's a regular church goer is really just someone who turns up once or twice a month. And, and that even the, the expectation that society has for us Christians has been lowered a little bit. Uh, you would say maybe they, they read their Bible, they at least have a Bible, and maybe they pray, they perhaps uh, go around and they're kind and they're good and they're, they're neighborly. And those sort of things, they, they're all right and good. You, I'm not discounting that this morning as something that is not, we would define, but uh, define as a, a normal part of the Christian life. But I want to say to you this morning that as we think about the, really the theme of looking to God and glorifying Him, that, that whilst we have those things in mind and whilst those things are good and right, that actually the Christian life is, is far more than that. Actually, when you think about the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, he wasn't just a normal person. He, he was someone who, in, in many ways, was a little controversial. In many ways, when he taught, in many ways, when he spoke, people paid attention because he just, the things that came out of him were just completely different to the norm and the expectation of society. And, and what we find in the, the verses that we read if you were paying attention this morning, is even in that snapshot of the, the, the teaching that Jesus gives in this, this great chapter, there's some things there that probably would have arrested your attention. You know, that whole thought of, of you know, turn the other cheek. You know, if someone smites you on this side, don't just leave it at that. No, turn, turn and, you know, you've got the other cheek too. And, and that whole idea that, you know, you, you would allow that. That, that at times when we're wronged, we would allow then to be wronged again. And you just, uh, the, that whole notion of that, you know, we, we live in a world where, you know, it's easy to stand for our rights. It's easy to, to stand up and be upset about things. And there's so many different platforms to do that. And yet the Lord Jesus is saying, you know, that, that's, just, that's just what they would expect. I, I want you to go further, actually. Uh, don't, just get, don't just get hit on one side. No, no, no. Just turn the other cheek a little bit. And, and there's all of these teachings here that, that, that he goes through that in that day, and, and sometimes it ought to be in our lives, ought to cause us to think and go, wow, that, that's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. That's the life that we're supposed to be living for Christ. And yet in the middle of all of the, these verses, there's one verse that I want you to pay attention to this morning and it's in verse 41. Because I think to me it summarizes really the whole, the whole concept of the Beatitudes and the whole concept of living for Christ and living in, in the way that he would expect. It's in verse 41. He says here, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now it's a pretty random verse. We think about it. And, and yet what we find is when, when Jesus taught this in that day, they very well understood it. So if, he, if someone compels you to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, is he speaking about going on a run? We've got a few people who like to go for a run. Who likes going running? I'm going to put my hand down really quickly. Recently, I haven't enjoyed it as much. But others do. Um, we've, we've got those who've run marathons, those who travel overseas and holidays to run a marathon. All right, when Danny comes back, you congratulate him. But um, you, you can enjoy watching that. It's, he's not asking here 
for someone who's running a mile if you could go run with him a second mile. That's not what he's saying. But, but it, is a, it is a marker. It's a distance, isn't it? Now, the Roman mile isn't the same. It's, it's a little shorter than our, what we would say a mile is. It's just a couple of hundred meters shorter. But it's still, it's still a fair way. It's still over a kilometer. It was 1.48 kilometers. And they would say that if, you, if someone compels you to go a mile, then, then Jesus is saying, go with him a second mile. Go with him uh, 2.96 kilometers instead. And what, what it was, back in that day, there was a rule, and it actually started with the Persians. And what it was was the, the king had put some, some, uh, some outposts where we, we sort of take it for granted today that we have, you know, we have the post and we have different means of delivery. You know, if we order something overseas, it gets to us in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. You can express post it. It can get to you sometimes even overnight. And, and there's a way to get things to you, isn't there? But in that day, they didn't have that formal sort of service. And so what the king did was he, he had put some different outposts all, all over the place. And there were those that, that those outposts were given an authority to, to just pull someone who was passing by and to tell that person that it's mandatory for you to take that mile or to take that load for another mile, for a mile. And that's what it was. And, and so the Romans uh, continued that. And so if a centurion was, was lugging something with him and he needed uh, an extra pair of hands to take that burden, he would compel someone by authority of the government and the emperor to take that and to carry with him that mile, that, that very burden that that centurion or that person of authority was carrying. And so that's what it was. It was they were compelled to do so. In fact, in Matthew chapter 27, when we read about the crucifixion and Jesus on his way when he was carrying the cross, there was a particular person that was pulled out of the crowd. It was Simon of Cyrene. And Simon of Cyrene was just compelled to bear that cross for Jesus for that mile. That's what it was. That's what he was referring to here. When someone compels you to go a mile, you literally were compelled to do so. It was, it was required of you. It was duty. And you know, there's a lot of things that we can do by duty. There's a lot of things that we do each day that we just do based out of duty. You know, we, those of, of us who are working, we go out of duty. Why? Because there's a reward at the end of it, right? You don't go to work, you don't get paid. And you have all of those, those things that are just your duty bound to do so. Maybe some of you, you've received, a, one time you received a letter. Just someone say, uh, the, it was a court saying, hey, you're, you're, you're required to serve on jury. And unless you have a very good excuse, you can't get out of it. Right? It doesn't matter how long that goes. It's your duty bound to do that thing. And that's what this was. When, you had to, when, when an authority compelled you to go a mile, you were to do that mile. You, you were to take that burden. You were to take those steps those, that, that, that equated to 1.48 kilometers, and you were to take that burden by law, and you were compelled to do so. There's a lot of things we can do, and we must do out of duty, isn't there? You know, we, we have a society, it's not compulsory for you to serve in the army, but there's many countries, you're duty-bound 
You know, you could be a multi-million dollar athlete. And if you were, you, it was your age to serve your military, you had to do it. You were compelled to do so. And that was your duty to do that. And he's, he's saying here, Jesus is saying, if someone compel you to go a mile, there's a duty there for you to do. But he's saying, if you're a follower of me, not only should you go a mile, you should go a twain mile. You should go a second mile. You should go 2.96 kilometers with this person, nearly three Ks, and you should take another mile. And that's a, that's a daunting thing. That's, that's, that's extra, isn't it? And you know, there's many examples in the Christian life and in Christian history of those who had just the mentality of a second mile Christian. You know, there's a lot of people, much more, who are first mile Christians. There's much more who just simply are happy to be saved, just simply happy to just do their duty, just simply happy to do the, the minimal thing that is required and it may be even expected by church and society. The, the very minimal thing that we ought to do as a Christian, and we can define that for ourselves. We can allow society and we can allow even our Christian culture to define that for us. But you know, Jesus' mentality was, he said, don't just go the first mile, go the second mile. And actually, when we're thinking about what, what is expected of us from the Lord Jesus, who is our master, who is our savior, who is our king that we sing about, then actually he's saying, don't just go the first mile, go the second mile. Go the second. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we just should do. And I think about the, the lady who, in Mark chapter 14, she, she, she broke that, that alabaster box and she poured out that ointment. And, you know, the, the summary of that is this. Jesus said she hath done what she could. You know, there's a lot of Christians who... Rather than doing what we could, we do what we should. You know, we do what we should do. We should do that. I mean, that is expected. We should come to the, the service. That is expected. There's a, there's a should kind of mentality when God's saying, no, 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 she hath done what she could. And sometimes what we could do is much more than what we should do. As many times, we're all about what we should do. There's things that we are compelled to do. It's first mile Christianity. And yet what God's looking at and what God is commending in this person who actually, when you think about what she did, she did something so generous that many estimate that she equated that, that's, that's equivalent to a whole year's worth of salary. And she poured that all out on Jesus' feet, and then God's commendation, the Lord's commendation was she had done what she could. You know, some of us think that what we could do, and we mix it up with what we should do. There's a lot of Christians who are should Christians. They just do what they should. And yet, there are many more that ought to do what they could. And I think about uh, just... just some of, the, some of the great uh, missionary 
stories, and I think about a, a fellow by the name of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a, a missionary of yesteryear, many, many hundred, uh, well, about a hundred years ago. And, and C.T. Studd, there was something about him. He was a, a phenomenal cricketer. In fact, he was more than likely, if he continued that, he would have gone on and he probably would have captained England. He had captained England in the junior ranks and he had done a whole bunch of things. But you know what he, he focused on? He was, a, he, was a, he was a faithful Christian though. And so he, he did things that were expected of Christians. He was faithful to his church. He was faithful to, to do his bit. He was faithful to do all of that. And yet what we find about him, he, he gave up all of that. And you know what? He went the second mile. He went to Africa. He went to China. And you know, he could have lived out a life very comfortably in the church, in his locality. But you know, he surrendered his life. And you know, there's a lot of people still today who, who go out and, and you know, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You sort of go, they, they're going and they're doing and you know, they could have been used in their local church. They could have been used in their locality. They could have been used in business. They could have been used in sport. They could have been used in just the, the, the very giftings and talents that they have. But, you know, they just didn't think of what they should do. They thought about what they could do. And they went the second mile. They, they, they didn't just go and, and were happy to do the, the very duties of the Christian life. They went and they, do, they did all they could for the glory of God. And I want to tell you that, that we live in a world today that, that you know, we, we're, we're, we're concerned about the direction of the world. We're concerned about our communities. We're concerned about all of the agendas that are at play that looks at destroying the very fabric of society. And we're standing by and we're trying to think, well, what are we going to do about it? And we think being first mile Christians will do. I want to tell you it won't do. I want to tell you that God's expectation, uh, Jesus' very teaching and very mindset wasn't just to do the average and the status quo. It wasn't just to do what was expected. It wasn't just what to, to do those things that everyone else did. No, his mentality was to be this. It was to be a second mile Christian. And I want to tell you that if we're going to change the community that we live in, if we're going to change the very families that God's called us to raise. If we're going to go about and we're going to shine as lights and be salt, which he refers to earlier in the, uh, earlier in the chapter, then his expectation is that we would go the twain mile, that we would go the second mile. Because you see, that's the manner. That's the manner of the second mile Christian. The manner of the second mile Christian is just, don't just do the status quo. He says, do the maximum. Go beyond what you feel capable of doing. Go beyond that. And that's the, the manner of the second mile Christian is to go the maximum. You know, there's many, uh, many people today in, 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 in our society who just want to get away with the minimum. Just do the, the very least. There's an art form that, that I think sometimes people have in, their, in, in the way they can get away with just doing the minimum and if we could just get away with getting the minimum done, then we've had a good day. Hey. <laughs> and sometimes the mentality seeps into our Christianity. 
you know, why go the extra mile when you could just very well, and, and I'm not talking about here this morning that this is a, a, a way of earning favor with God. No, I'm saying this is actually just really God's heart for us. Is that we, this is our manner. This should be our manner as we go the second mile. It's the attitude of going beyond what's just required. And, you know, I want to say, though, that we can't go the second mile, right, if we don't go the first mile. Does everyone get that? Right? You can't parachute over that. It doesn't count. Right? You can't hitch a ride and then start the second mile if you haven't started the first mile. All right? I think I got my maths right this morning. And I'm just saying that sometimes we want to skip ahead. And, you know, the Bible teaches us to obey is better than sacrifice. There's a lot of Christians who want to go the extra and haven't even done the first. They, they want to have these grandiose plans. They, they, they want to have these massive impacts on the world, but they just won't even consistently walk and run the first mile. They won't be faithful in the church. They won't be faithful in their, in their giving. They won't be faithful to pray. They won't be faithful to witness. They won't be faithful to do their bit in the home as, a, as the husband or the wife. They won't be faithful to obey mom and dad and to honor their parents. And, you know, sometimes I sit around with young people and they tell me, uh, Pastor, God's called me to be in the ministry. And you know what? I sit down and I rejoice. But the first thing I ask them is this, how's your obedience to your parents? Why? Because how could you do the extra mile if you haven't done the first mile first? If you haven't sat there and you haven't actually tried to honor them and you haven't actually tried to obey God and the revealed things. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had youth camp and one of the major questions that were asked was, how do you follow God's will? And, you know, often when we talk about God's will, here's what we're thinking. We're thinking the second mile. We're thinking the secret things. We're thinking about the specifics of life. We're thinking about, for those young people who are still single, who, who am I going to marry? What's going to my, my career be? What's my calling? And yet, the Bible tells us the secret things belong to the Lord thy God. But the things that are revealed. Now listen, that's a different story. That's the thing that belongs to you and your children forever. And listen, to today I want to tell you that, that whilst we're talking about going the extra mile, being a second mile Christian, I've never met a second mile Christian who was a first mile Christian first. You've got to go beyond, uh, if you're going to go beyond, you're going to have to do your, 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 your initial things. You know, there's many Christians who are just happy to be saved. And I'm glad maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. You know, this doesn't matter to you. You can't go the second mile if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about being a good person. You know, there's many good people in the world. There's many those who are just religious. And yet still to this day, if they were to die today, if they were to face a God who, who, who just is a, is a holy God, they're going to stand there before him. And, you know, God's going to tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. And, you know, today we're going to have those who are going to come forward in the waters of baptism. I want to tell you that baptism doesn't save you. It's the, the, just the fact that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be good. In fact, it'd be better if you just recognize that you're bad because then you'll recognize that you'll need a Savior. Listen, that's what you need. If you're going to go the second mile, you need to go the first mile first. That's the manner. You know, but sadly... There are many Christians who are very content with their duty. 
it's first mile. It's just that. They're happy to be saved, but, you know, they don't really want to be servants. They're happy to be saved, but really, do I have to be a witness? They're happy to be saved, but sacrifice? Ooh. I mean, I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad that if you were to face eternity today, you had have the, the assurance of your salvation. Well, I will tell you that it's far better, though, to use your salvation and walk that first mile and then go to the second mile. There are many who are just happy to obey and happy to do their, their bit, but they're not willing to go beyond and sacrifice and go beyond and serve in a greater capacity, go beyond and, and, and stretch themselves by faith to do something. There are many of those who are just faithful and, and are, I'm pra- praising God for those who are faithful and they go year in, year out, week in, week out, and they go and they're just consistent, but there's no fruitfulness in their life. I'll tell you that the second mile Christian is fruitful. You know, we just don't desire. We're just happy to turn up. We're just happy to, to, to get our, our row at church. We're just happy to get our, our parking spot. We're just happy to turn up on time. We're just happy when the weather's good, but if the weather's bad, boy, that's, no, that's a different story. I mean, the roof leaks. What if I sat there? I'm saying that many times we're just happy to do the status quo of the Christian life. And we won't, we won't go beyond, and yet Jesus' expectation is this is your manner, that you'll go the maximum. And I think sometimes it's because we have a minimum view of God. You know, like God's good enough to save us, but God's not good enough to give us purpose and give us calling and give us enabling. You know, I think about Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he saw the, the Lord high and lifted up. You know, Isaiah was a prophet, but Isaiah was stuck. And, and I'll, I'll preach this message another time, but he was stuck. He was stuck following Uzziah when actually he should have been following God. And, and Uzziah, uh, sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah was a, a, a prophet who had to have a better view of God before God told him, who will we send? And then his response was, here am I, send me. And there are those who just maybe... They're just glad, and, but I want to tell you that if that's all you're glad about, you've got a very minimum view of God. You don't actually think that God rules and reigns over every area of your life. You, 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 you just think that, you know, it's, I'm glad he rescued me, but I don't, I'm not glad he's my ruler. I'm not, gl- I'm not glad he's my sovereign. Glad he's my savior, but I'm not so glad he's my sovereign. You know what that is? It's a minimum view of God. But you know, God's much more than that. And God, He actually, He is His sovereign. In, the, in fact, the Bible tells us that, that, that now that we're bought with a price, we're supposed to glorify God with our bodies, which is God's. Our lives belong to Him. Our lives are meant to be an understanding that we have a, a high and holy God and a high view of God Really, it, it, it ought to permeate every, every part of our lives. You know, we should be the types of Christians who, 
we, we look at God and we see all of His holiness and all of His glory. And when we sing the songs, it ought to move us. And when we think about all that heaven is and all that God is, it ought to move us every day. It ought to change us. It ought to make us to be more like Him. He told us, be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. And he, he says that He's the one that inhabits all of our praise. And we ought to then be a people of praise. And we ought to be people of sacrifice. We ought to be a people of those. That's just the manner of the second mile Christian just go the maximum. Go all the way. And by the way, can I remind you that we have a Savior who went all the way. You know, he went, the, the Bible tells us that he went a little far, further. And you know what? He didn't just go further. He went all the way. He paid with his price. Uh, he, he paid with his life. He, he paid the price for you and I. He, he shed his blood. He, he, he was buried in a tomb and then in triumph rose again. But, you know, all of that. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, April really is a reflection of all the sacrifices that others have made for us. And they went, they went all the way. And Jesus went all the way. He understood. He understood what it needed to take. And what it needed to take was to go the second mile. But you know what we find? We also see the motive. The motive of a second mile Christian. And he says, go with him. You know, I, I, there were certain, certain members of the public there, centurions and those nobility who just gained favor with the people. You know, a particular story of that was a centurion who had a servant who was, uh, who was uh, ill and he was sick to death. And, and this servant uh, the, the, the group of Jews there, they quickly fled to Jesus. They quickly went to Jesus. And they said something along the lines to, this, to Jesus about this centurion. He had loved our nation. And he, they were saying, can you prioritize going there? And, and what it is, is there were certain members of, uh, of society there that just were favored and, and you would do it. And, and your, your, your motive was this because you loved them. Because actually, in your estimation, they were worthy. And what it is, this is the, the motivation of a second-mile Christian. The motive of a second-mile Christian is simply this. It's devotion. It's love. It's loyalty. And I'm saying that we love him because he first loved us. You know, we're here today and we're talking about, we're talking about going the second mile. You know, we... we the people that we go extra for are usually the people we love. You know, if, if it's just someone that we just sort of know, but you know, the, the Bible tells us that we're meant to love one another. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to love those who are lost. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to love God. And so our greatest motive, the motive of a second mile Christian is simply this, it's love. And it's amazing what motivation does, doesn't it? It's amazing when you have a reason to do something, why you, know, why you need to get up early. It's amazing that suddenly you're motivated to do so. You know, if, um, if those who uh, have been engaged and suddenly they realize they're going to go away on this thing called the honeymoon. And so what do they do? Suddenly they're motivated to work out, right? Suddenly they're motivated to be in their best shape. 
Why? Because love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. Motivation makes a difference. You know, if I was to ask uh, one of our young men here, or, or maybe young lady, I said, give me 200 push-ups. I don't think many would, would volunteer. Why? Because it's in front of everyone. And maybe, probably, they couldn't do it. But, um, but if I said, come up here, and if I gave you $1,000, would you do 200 push-ups? Some of you would come up here and you'd fight the, you, you would fight the next person next to you and there'd be elbows flying, I'm sure of it. Why? Because we're motivated by gain, right? We're motivated. There's different motivations for things in our lives. There's different things that actually get us going. And, and yet, for the Christian, the second mile Christian, it's about our love for Christ. In Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. You know, the Lord Jesus went all the way for us. He, he didn't just stop in the camp. The, the, the type of, of his sacrifice was he was beyond the camp. He was alone. He, he was cast out. And Jesus did that for you and I. And he went all the way. And he's saying, let's bear that reproach with him. Let's go with him. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we are all dead. And I'm saying is our greatest motivation should be our love for Christ. You know, when Peter was downcast, when Peter was, had rejected, uh, denied Jesus th- thrice, and there he was on the shores of Galilee and waiting for, for the Lord, and finally the Lord turns up, you know what? What Jesus did to motivate Peter, he simply asked him, lovest thou me more than these? He asked him three times. And then for Peter to hear himself say, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And you know, sometimes what we have to remind ourselves is, is that actually to go the extra mile, to go the second mile is simply just a response of love. And maybe just remember why you love Christ. Maybe just remember why it is that we love him and how he loved us. And the Bible tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, listen, if you've forgotten, if you've forgotten why, why it is that you ought to love God and why it is that you ought to love Jesus, just look at the cross. There's nothing else. Hey, listen, there's, 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 no one here has a perfect life. There's some things we'd love to get sorted out. There's some things that we'd love to, to just, just get done and get dusted with. But none of that is necessary for God to prove His love to us. He's already proved to us His love. It's on the cross. It says God commendeth. That means He proved His love. And so there's, there ought to be that motivation of love. He says, if you love me, then you keep my commandments. And so our love ought to motivate us to go beyond. I think about Jacob, who was fooled by his future father-in-law, Laban. Remember, he, 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 he loved Rachel, didn't he? And what, who, did he, who was he given after seven years of work? The other one, all right? <laughs> and so what did he do? He committed to another seven years. And the Bible says that it went so quickly. Why? For the love that he had for Rachel. You know, many people who look at those who, of us who serve in 
ministry in a more full-time capacity, so to speak. And when, when they understand sometimes what you, you didn't get to do because of what you're doing now, they go, well, why'd you do it? I want to tell you the only reason is because I love God. Uh, you, you speak to our missionaries, and, and they might say things like, well, there was an urgency, and I love those people. You know what? They were motivated by love. Love. And, and yet so often our love wavers, and, and we've got to get ourselves back to just a reality of who Christ is and a reality of all that he has done for us, a reality of all, all the, the, very, the very things that, that, that God, the Lord Jesus, did in order for us to have salvation, in order for us to even get to the first mile. And then we go, you know what? Because of him, I'm just going to go the second mile. I'm going to go again. I'm going to bear the burdens, and I'm going to, I'm going to fight through some of those, those things that just can become difficult at times, and I'm going to do all I could, not just what I should. And really, when it comes down to it, there's a mark. There's a mark of a second-mile Christian. You know what that mark is? It's just passion. You just, you, the passion is the thing that gets you to the end. And I think about David. You know, David at the time, he made a... a uh, judgment and error, uh, an error in judgment. He counted the people, and then this this curse came upon them. and And so, what happened was, God said, "You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna deliver these people, you're gonna need to go to the field of Ornan, and you're gonna need to sacrifice." And he gets there, and there he is. Uh, 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 Ornan sees him and says, "You know, you're the king. I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you all of it for free." Well, you know, David, did, that wasn't good enough because God told him to sacrifice. So what David did was this, no, no, I'm going to pay for it. I'm, I'm not going to do the thing that cost me nothing. But you know what? We, we are society, we just want to live our Christian life without cost. We'll, we'll be happy to do it as long as it doesn't cost us anything. We'll be happy to do it as long as it doesn't require us getting uncomfortable. We'll be happy to do it as long as, um, you know, I still have everything else. And, and we don't want to pay cost. And yet, you know, those who are passionate about a cause, those who are passionate about the thing that you're supposed to do, and, and the only reason God gives them, the Lord Jesus gives them to go the twain mile was it, it was something he told them to do. It was passion. And the mark, the characteristic, the, the, the thing that sets apart the second mile Christian is, is someone who's just passionate. You know, we're all passionate about something. We're all passionate about different things. You talk to someone for long enough and you, you'll tell what they're passionate about. Right? A lot of people are passionate about their food. Right? A lot of people love their footy team. Right? There's a passion that comes out of them. They're passionate about a hobby. They're passionate about a sport. And, and what I'm saying is every person is passionate about something. Every one of us here, we've got a passion in us about a certain thing. But you know, what's, what, what's going to make a difference in the Christian life is if you just develop a passion for God. If you just have, develop a passion for the things of God where if it tells you this, then you go the extra. It's no longer just a thing you do. It becomes your life. It becomes a life 
thing. It becomes something that you, it's a part of you. It becomes something that, that you understand is, is just a part of the fabric of who you are. And you must, you must, you must. I think about the house of Stephanus where the Bible talks about them. They were addicted to the ministry of the saints. And they just had a passion to want to serve the, the, their, their, their community there, the passion to serve those saints who were part of their church. And really, I think it comes down to this. It stems from a, from a power-filled life. You know, I think about a kettle, right? A kettle can't help itself but whistle. Because something's filling them. Something's driving inside them. And, you know, many Christians... They're just not driven anymore. It used to be that they had a, they, 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 there was a, a closeness and there was a, a hot, a passionate longing for the things of God. And it used to be that was in there and it used to drive them. It used to get them up in the morning. It used to get them going on a Sunday morning. It used to get them going on a Sunday night. It used to get them going on a Wednesday night. It used to get them going when there was another thing that was happening and there was volunteers needed. And then, then there was a call out for faith promise and there was a call out for different things around the church and different areas of need around the world. And just something in them said, I want to do that. Why? Because they're passionate. Passion. You know, we lend our passion to so many different things. And whilst those, those things aren't necessarily sinful, why is it that sometimes we're more passionate about the temporal things of the world than we are about the things of eternity? You know, what's longer? What's longer? 70 years, if by reason of strength, 80? Or eternity? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. <laughs> Why? Because it's obvious. And yet we make so much fuss over the things that we can do in the 80 years versus those things that actually last for eternity. And we, we justify it. We, we excuse it. And, and sometimes we go and, you know, but pastor, I've, I've, I'm here. Come on, give me, give me credit. And I'm giving you credit. Praise God. But I'll tell you now, if we're going to do what actually Jesus is known for, then we're going to have to go the second mile. We're going to have to be the types of Christians who are just passionate about the things of God. We're, we're going to sing. We're going we're gonna to be first in line. We're going to just make sure. And we're not just going to stand by and let others do it. You know, he said in Luke 18, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, one of the challenges of the Christian life is to pray. It's hard to pray. Praying doesn't, it, it really doesn't, your flesh hates it. That's why, that's why we can't get up in the morning and pray. That's why when it's prayer meeting, it's the least attended service in the week. That's why when there's a call out to pray, there's just not that importance because, oh, it's prayer. It's not like, you know, whatever activity. Church Olympics, I don't know. But sometimes we do other things and it doesn't matter. 
But things for eternity, things that ought to fill our lives with great power, they're just something in us, just God working. And we, we take for granted and we just go and we live our lives and we've run the first mile. But God's saying, run the second mile. You know, think about, I think about Spurgeon, who's one of my heroes of the faith, and something about Spurgeon that, you know, it just was said about him that he wouldn't get up from his prayer in the morning until he sensed the power of God in his life. I'm challenged by that. How many days I've just lived as a first-mile Christian when God could have used me for more, when I could have made a greater difference, when, when, when actually God had more for me to do. I think about Gideon, who, with those few men, 300 men, but, you know, he asked God twice with the fleece. I think about Moses, who waited till the seventh day up there on the mount until God showed up. And I'm saying that, you know, we, we just, we excuse ourselves with the bare minimum of the Christian life when God actually is calling us to more. And I would encourage you. You know, I'm glad if you're a first mile. I'm glad if you've just, you know, you're, you're glad that you're saved and you're glad to be part of a church community. You're glad to be part of the service. I want to challenge you that God, in his goodness and grace, actually, he can do more. And it just requires just going the second mile. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, just thankful again for your grace. Thankful, Lord, that, Lord, it's not even within us to be able to go the first mile, let alone a second mile. And Father, we just recognize how easily it is for us to just be satisfied with the status quo and satisfied with the, Lord, with the, this, the little expectations of the Christian life. And yet, there's so much more that you would have for us to do. I pray that you'd help us not to miss out on that. Lord, there's many things that you would show us, there's many, many events in our lives that are yet still to be discovered and yet still to be enjoyed if we would only go the second mile. So I pray that you'd help each and every one of us this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. We're going to have a time of invitation.